this is Kara Foster from First Christian Church, Disciples of Christ in Madisonville, Kentucky, and you're listening to our sermons podcast. And if you want to find out more information, you can connect with us at www.madisonvilledisciples.org or come in person at 1030 College Drive, uh, Madisonville, Kentucky. Subscribe and enjoy these podcasts. Our scripture this morning is from Paul's letter to the church in Corinthians in chapter 12. Now chapters 12 and 13 are some of the most familiar and beloved writings of Paul. First, Paul begins talking about the diversity of gifts. He says there are a variety of gifts and services, but the same Lord, and there are a variety of activities, but the same God. To each is given the manifestation of the Spirit for the common good. And then he lists these gifts. And then next, in verse 12, he begins to talk about the church and gives us an image that we're still talking about. The body of Christ. You are the body of Christ, he says. So I invite you to read along with me in your Bibles in chapter 12. I'm going to begin reading in verse 12 today. He says, for just as the body is one and has many members and all the members of the body, though many are one body, so it is with Christ. For in the one spirit, we were all baptized into the body. Jews are Greeks, slaves are free, and we were all made to drink of one spirit. Indeed, the body does not consist of one member, but of many. And if the foot would say, because I'm not a hand, I do not belong to the body, If the whole body were an eye, where would the hearing be? If the whole body were hearing, where would the sense of smell be? But as it is, God arranged the members of the body, each one of them, as he chose. If all were a single member, where would the body be? As it is, there are many members, yet one body. The eye cannot say to the hand, I have no need of you, nor again the head to the feet, I have no need of you. On the contrary... The members of the body that seem to be weaker are indispensable, and those members of the body that we think less honorable, we clothe with greater honor, and our less respectable members are treated with greater respect, whereas our most respectable members do not need this. But God has so arranged the body, giving the greater honor to the inferior member, that there may be no dissension within the body but the members may have the same care for one another. If one member suffers, all suffer together with it. If one member is honored, all rejoice together with it. Now, the human body has 206 bones, 639 muscles, and about six pounds of skin. And every day, We, bodies all move, all these single parts work together as a whole. We can't take a step or answer the phone or pick up the fork without all these parts working together to make that happen. And you never think about the interconnectedness of it all really until something begins to go wrong. You don't think much probably about your inner ear and what it's doing for you every day until the world starts spinning around. You don't think about your 
pinky toe until you've heard it and realized how every step is important with that little tiny toe. Every day, all day long, these bodies we inhabit are amazing and just work together in amazing ways. And maybe that's why Paul uses the image of the body to talk about the church. For just as the body is one and has many members, all the members of the body, though many, are one body, so it is with Christ. For in one spirit we are baptized into one body. This metaphor for the church as the body of Christ is one of the most well-known images for church. And Paul is writing to the church in Corinth because he's heard they're having some issues. They're having some troubles. Some people are thinking they are better than others, that they are higher than others. There are divisions between Christians now who were once Jews and Christians now who were Gentiles, slave or free. And they seem to be those who thought their ministries were more important, that some were just more worthy and more respectable than others. People were saying some people should know their place. In fact, you that were Gentiles need to know your place in this church. It's the sort of thing where some people just frankly thought some were more worthy than others. And when some people came into the doors of the church in Corinth, there were some who were thinking, "Mm, not really them. Maybe we should show them the back door. All I have to say is it is a good thing that that doesn't happen in churches anymore, right? I couldn't help myself. We know this. Divisions, they're hard. Even in 2021, it's still hard. Paul knew he could get people's attention by talking about their bodies because Greek and Roman orders long before him had talked about the human body as an image for the state. Except the way they talked about it is they used it as a way to keep people in their place, to keep the poor poor, to keep the servants servants. They would say, you're the muscles and I am the brain, so you need to know your place and all this. So when, peop- when Paul begins to write about this body, this body of Christ, I'm sure there were people in the church that was like, yes, finally a message we get except he takes that same image and he goes in a totally different way. He gives a message of unity within diversity and interdependence that we might have unique gifts, but the church needs everybody. When it comes to the body of Christ, it takes all kinds. Our wholeness depends upon our unique variety. He says if the foot would say, because I'm not a hand, I don't belong, it wouldn't make it any less part of the body. And if the whole body were an eye, where would the hearing be? The eye cannot say, I have no need for you. Interdependence. It's the very idea that we need each other. Now, I don't know about you, but that all sounds really great and wonderful and warm and fuzzy to me until... I come across someone that I find hard to like, let alone love. 
until someone says something hurtful or hurts someone I love or posts something on social media that just absolutely makes my blood boil. I think every one of us knows what it is in practice how hard it can be to really and truly live this out. Every one of us have had thoughts where we think, yes, everyone's welcome, but really you, us, sort of wish you'd head out the back door because <laughs> it's hard. I'm reminded of this story um, that Susan Guthrie wrote about two monks. And of course, monks, they live in community together. That's what they do. They, they eat and they study and they work and they worship in community together 24-7. And one of the monks, he was on his deathbed, and he was dying. And he asked to see one of his brothers. He had a confession he needed to make to him. And when his brother arrived, he said, Brother, I need to tell you that all these years, I have been taking your work and passing it off as mine. And I'm so sorry. And this brother said, Oh, don't you know that I've known this for many years, but because of you, I'm becoming a saint. There are so many of us that see people in our lives that think, you, because of you, I'm becoming a saint. It's hard. Barbara Brown Taylor has this wonderful quote about community where she says, the real purpose of community is not to retreat someplace with other like-minded people, but to give ourselves up to the working of the Holy Spirit to learn to live with people we may not like at all. It's no wonder that immediately after Paul tells us that we are the body of Christ, and he tells individually members of it that we all have a part to play in the whole, he pivots immediately in chapter 13 to love. If I speak in the tongues of mortals and of angels, but do not have love, I'm a noisy gong or a clanging cymbal. Love is patient. Love is kind. It is not envious or boastful, arrogant or rude. It does not insist on its own way. It's not irritable or resentful. It does not rejoice in wrongdoing, but rejoices in the truth. It bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. Love. First, he reminds them that they are the body of Christ, individually members of it, and then he tells them to love. Paul ever so skillfully uses this image as the body to remind us that we need each other, every part of the body. We need each other. When one of us suffers, he says, we all suffer. Gone is this notion of private spirituality, this idea that it's just me and Jesus. For Paul, faith is embodied. It's lived out in community together as church. And we have been given a holy purpose to be his people in the world where everyone belongs, where everyone is a part of the whole, the body of Christ. Now, I'm not going to tell you this morning about which part of the body you might be. I'm not going to spend time surmising today if you are the head or the heart or the funny bone in the body of Christ. All are beloved and all are valued, according to Paul. 
And he seems very confident that as the church, we should just understand that we are the body of Christ. He doesn't say, you could be the body of Christ one day, or you might be the body of Christ if you can just get your act together. No, you are the body of Christ, he says. You are his hands and feet and heart in the world today. Even the word for church, ecclesia in Greek, it means to be the called out. People sent with a holy purpose in the world. As that quote says, your life might be the only Bible someone ever reads. And according to Paul, we absolutely need each other to do this. We belong together. There might be challenges, but unity within diversity of the church is who we are called to be. The eye, the heart, the foot, and the funny bone, we all belong together. It's why we are called to be a people who take down walls of division. The church in Corinth was experiencing a divisive and contentious time in their lives. And Paul takes that opportunity to remind them that they are better together. And I'm so grateful that today we get to remember that by rejoicing in one of our own as he commits his life to ministry in Christ church. Today, Zach Cardi will stand up and claim his faith and dedicate his life to serving in Christian ministry, not just our church, Zach, not just to First Christian Church, not just into the Christian Church Disciples of Christ, but to the church universal everywhere. And I imagine the teenager who first felt the inkling of that call into ministry, I imagine the seminarian who stepped into the walls of the academy, not sure exactly where your place was yet, still seeking your church home, but you kept going. The challenges of being the church today are big. And some days, you may feel overwhelmed by the challenge and maybe even ill-equipped for the road at hand. But I hope, even in those moments, that you will cling to the memory of this day and the promises that you make as a follower of Jesus Christ. In some ways, it is the promises that you made at your own baptism when you stepped into the waters of faith. It is to simply follow Jesus, to follow him. It is as simple and as dangerous as that, to follow him, to go where he goes, to follow where he leads you, the path of sacrifice, to be an extremist for love, as Dr. King so aptly put it. For such a time as this, God has called you into ministry. And should you be overwhelmed, should you feel scared or uncertain in the path ahead, I hope you know that you are never alone. The Savior who has promised to never leave you or forsake you, and that you are a part of the body of Christ. And we belong to each other. Amen.